0: Welcome to the Wealthsteading Podcast. This is episode 328. Today is July 5th, 2021. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder, money manager, and investablewealth.com. And today, I've got both barrels loaded. It's going to be a short episode, but it's going to be focused, and it's going to be full of tough love. So here we go. First off, I want to announce that today is the Independence Holiday being celebrated here in the United States. That's important to me for many reasons, but as it relates to this podcast, Independence Day is a special holiday because it's the birthday of the Wellsteading Podcast. I started this podcast on Independence Day back in 2014, and so this is the seventh anniversary of the show. I really appreciate all of you that listen to this show on a regular basis, and especially those of you that have either been here since day one, and I know you're out there because I constantly hear from you, And I'm also very appreciative of all of you that maybe didn't start listening from day one, but you've taken the time to go back and listen from the very first episode and get caught up to where we are today. I'm so very blessed to have the audience that I do. I know that your time is important to you, and to think that you're willing to spend that with me is really heartwarming, and it's the bottom line of ultimately why I do this podcast. It's a labor of love for me. And I know that I don't produce the amount of content that many of you want to hear. Given my other responsibilities and the time that I have available, I do try and at least get out critical episodes to you. And I'm really going to give it a shot as we go into this eighth year of podcasting to create some additional, very short format content. We'll see how that goes. In fact, I guess before I even do that, let me know what you think. Would you like to have more content even if it's just a smaller amount of time, maybe, you know, a a five-minute, ten-minute content. I know most of my shows now, that I think they're only averaging somewhere in that 15 to 20-minute segment. And I think I could produce more content if I limited that down to maybe about five minutes. So if that's something you're interested in, please let me know. If there's no interest, I obviously won't waste my time doing it. Now, as far as our seventh anniversary here at the Wellsteading Podcast, The show was initially founded on my 10 wealth building principles. Those original 10 episodes, along with all the other content that's been produced over the years, is archived at wealthsteading.com. And specifically in reference to those first 10 episodes, if you scroll to the bottom of the website's page, you should see a little drop-down menu that says Categories. If you click on that and then click on the very first category that comes up, it says 10 Wealth Building Principles. Click on that drop-down menu, and that'll take you directly to those first 10 episodes. They're actually listed in inverse order, so it'll take you to number 10 first, but you can scroll down through those, and all 10 episodes are there. They are available, and they are still as valid today as they were seven years ago when I recorded them because they were based on my over 30 years experience of building my net worth and specifically investing in the stock market because that's primarily how I did build my wealth. Now, as far as the anniversary topic of today, I really want to focus on the first wealth building principle, which is wealth is freedom. And let me back up here a second, too. I'll digress for a minute to say that I'm going to focus on the first wealth building principle, and that's not necessarily because it's the most important, because these 10 principles, they're like the 10 commandments. The most important one is the one that you're having a problem with. But if I did have to pick out, say, the Two top or maybe the three top wealth building principles of those 10, I would say for most people, the most important one is the second wealth building principle, which is live debt free. Most people are a slave to their debt and they can never build wealth because they can't control their spending. So if you're not a voracious saver, then the second wealth building principle is the most important one to you. And then again, to generalize, if I had to pick The second most important wealth building principle for the average person, it would be wealth building principle number three, which is production is the source of wealth. The reason that is so critically important is because most people are looking for the easy way out. They're trying to get rich quick overnight. They're looking for that one career or that one job or that one cryptocurrency or the one lottery ticket or the one stock or the one futures contract, whatever it is, you know, that one thing that's going to hit a home run and make them a millionaire overnight. Well, in most cases, that never happens. And generally, for people that do get that overnight success, whether it's winning the lottery or making that one-trick pony investment, or in the case of someone like a celebrity that starts earning that million-dollar-plus salary, well, you know what happens to those people. In a lot of cases, they still end up going bankrupt. The only true source of wealth is production. You have to be productive in your skills and abilities, and that's whether you get compensated for those as an employee or as an entrepreneur. It all comes down to you producing value. There's no shortcuts. There's no secrets. It's generally hard work. So overall, I'd say that those are the two most important wealth-building principles for most people, and you have to approach all of this as if it's a lifestyle and not just some fad diet. Ah, But I digress. Anyways, let's focus on today's seventh anniversary key wealth building principle, and that's the first wealth building principle, which is wealth is freedom. That's a principle that you really need to absorb and think about, and I want to emphasize it today because I hear so many people that are in the liberty movement or the freedom movement or various other type of political or anti-political groups, and they all talk about freedom. They all talk about liberty. But for the most part, in my humble opinion, it's mostly just talk. Because the bottom line to freedom is wealth. And the more money you have, the more freedom you can buy for yourself. You're calling the shots. You're the captain of your own ship. You're the boss of your own life. You're the boss of your own enterprise. And the happiness doesn't derive from the fact that maybe you can tell other people what to do. But the happiness derives from the fact that you have your own personal freedom you can live where you want to. You can associate with the types of people you want to. You can get up every day and live your life under your own direction. And so when you're talking about freedom, unless you're really talking about increasing your net worth, then I think you're just running your mouth. Because the bottom line is that wealth is freedom. And that's true regardless of the political situation you're living under. Whether it's Russia today, or the former Soviet Union, or whether it's North Korea, or China, or Cuba, or living in the United States, or Guatemala, wherever you happen to live. The bottom line is, is that the more wealth you have, the more freedom you have. And so when I hear people talking about all the platitudes of freedom and liberty, my eyes gloss over, and I quickly become disinterested, because the only path to freedom is wealth. And so that all comes down to what is your net worth. And simply put, your net worth is adding up all of your assets. Now remember, your assets are what you own free and clear. So just because you own a million dollar house doesn't mean that that's a million dollar asset. You have to factor out what the liability is on that property. And so if you're like most people and you have a very heavy mortgage and your house poor, then yeah, you may own a million dollar house. But remember, you don't own that. It's actually a liability because you only have $200,000 of equity in that home. And so in that case, your net worth is actually a negative $800,000. And that's why it's so important to focus on your net worth as opposed to your salary or your income. I hear from a lot of people when I talk to a lot of people that have multi-hundred thousand dollar incomes. So maybe they're making $300,000 a year and they think they're wealthy But they really have a very limited to no net worth. Because in most cases, it's that they're broke and they're overspending. Let me give you an example about that person that has an extremely high income. Let's say they're making $300,000. That's almost five times what the average household in America is making. So $300,000 is a significant income. But let's put that in perspective. Let's say that you're making $300,000 and you think you're doing so good Because you have a million dollars saved up well on paper from a financial statement point of view that looks good but from a wealth studying perspective it isn't because think about it while a million dollars is a significant amount of money to the person that's earning three hundred thousand dollars that's only three years of income in a lot of cases it's less than three years of income because a lot of people that are making three hundred thousand dollars are spending $310,000 or three hundred twenty, dollars $350,000. That's how people get themselves in this debt spiral, and they can never build wealth. And so you should think of your savings and your net worth as your long-term emergency fund, because that's exactly what it is. And that's why I don't talk a lot about emergency funds or put a lot of emphasis on emergency funds, because emergency funds are for broke people. Yeah, if you don't have any money, you need to do that baby step, that Dave Ramsey thing about saving up your first $1,000. And then you need to work on having one month or two months or three months of expenses saved up for your emergency fund. But when you're working towards freedom and you have a large net worth, then you don't care about an emergency fund because all your expenses, whether they be emergencies or not, are cash-rolled from your savings. And since your savings are significant... You don't need to earmark a particular amount of money to an emergency fund. Ah, but I digress. Hey, let's go back to that high-income earner that's making $300,000 a year. That's about five times the average household income of a typical American. And they have a million dollars in net worth. And they think they're doing really fine. Well, usually there's two problems with that. Number one, the typical high-net-worth person does not have that million dollars of net worth in something that's liquid, like the stock market, where that money can be readily available. Most high net worth earners are just like most Americans, whether they're high net worth or broke Joe six pack people, to the extent they have net worth, a lot of it is tied up in their home. So it's tied up in their primary residence or maybe in their vacation home. Or even worse, they own a lot of consumer type cars and trucks and RVs and other things that are most likely depreciating in in value as opposed to appreciating in value. And so that high-income individual that's earning $300,000 and they've got a million dollars in net worth, well, most likely, based on statistics, it's safe to say that a majority of that net worth is tied up in their home. And that home isn't paid off. And so if they, for whatever reason, lose their job or they become injured and they can no longer work, then that net worth suddenly becomes a hindrance, not an advantage because their primary residence isn't paid off. They still have to make the mortgage payment and they don't have any other liquid income. And for whatever reason, if they're in a series of long-term unemployment, then the only way to tap their wealth is ultimately to sell that home. And if they're selling it out of distress or where they immediately need the money, they're going to probably be selling it at a less than optimum sales price. Now, not only is liquidity a problem, but for that same high net worth earner that's making $300,000, let's say that they do have a million dollars and it's in the stock market and it's liquid and it's readily available to them and they think they're doing really good with that. Well, here's the reality that most people don't want to hear. Your net worth is relative to your living expenses, just like that emergency fund would be if you were just getting started savings. You know, the emergency fund isn't about having X number of dollars. It's about having enough money in savings that it's readily available so you can tap it to cover your living expenses over a particular period of time. And if your living expenses are simply $60,000 a year, then you need a much smaller emergency fund than someone whose living expenses are $300,000 a year. And so the guy that has a million dollars saved up that's earning and spending at least $300,000 isn't in as good of a position as he thinks he's in because in reality, he only has three years of savings saved up. And so does he have freedom? Absolutely. Does he have financial resilience? Absolutely. Is he financially independent? Absolutely. But all of those absolutes that I just gave you all come with an expiration date on them. Because in this guy's case, he's only financially resilient for three years. He only has three years of expenses saved up. Now, if he were only spending $100,000 and had a million dollars saved up, well, now that freedom and that resilience all got extended out to 10 years. And for me, I would say that the classic definition of financial independence isn't that you're a billionaire, but it's that you have at least 10 years of living expenses In your net worth to me that is really freedom that is really financial independence that is really the resilience that you want to be shooting for and the critical reason that you want to have about ten years of living expenses that can be covered by your net worth isn't so that you can sit back and live for ten years but it's really at about that point that that money can be invested wisely and conservatively and can throw off enough income where it can throw off enough annual income for you in perpetuity. Now, we can argue about what a reasonable, reliable yield should be on net worth and how much you should draw down your retirement savings or whatever your savings is if you're living off them directly. But for our purposes now, I'm going to use a number of 6%. 4% is really looked at as being the gold standard for never running out of money when you're spending down your retirement savings. But when you look at the long-term total return of the S&P 500 for the last, you know, 100 years, it's more like 8%. And so obviously, if you're willing to assume risk, you can do better than that 4%. Uh, But on the other hand, as I mentioned, your net worth is not only represented by what money you have invested, say, in the stock market, but it's also, in the case of most people, primarily invested in their homes. And while your home is likely to increase in value, as long as you're living in that home as your principal interest, it's not throwing off income for you. But let's just assume you had a million dollars that was throwing off a 6% total return every year. That's only $60,000. And if you're that high-income $300,000 a year guy, that's only representing 20% of your annual salary. So that's not even going to cover your living expenses for... More than two and a half months. On the other hand, if you're living just a nice middle-class lifestyle and you have your mortgage paid off and you're just covering living expenses for you and your partner or maybe even only for you, then that million dollars is throwing off $60,000 of annual income and you can live quite nicely on $60,000 a year. Again, emphasizing here, especially if you don't have any debt. So that's the key to why net worth is ultimately your freedom. If you want a freedom gauge, don't focus on what your government allows you to do or what the tech titans allow you to say on social media or how much toilet paper you have stored up for the zombie apocalypse. What you need to focus on is what your net worth is and how many years you can either live off of it directly or how much income it can produce for you on an annual basis. That's the key to freedom And that's the essence of what I've tried to do in this podcast over the last seven years. What I thought ended up being a relatively short episode has gone longer than I anticipated because I digressed. But you know what? I don't have to stick to timelines and I can digress all I want because I have freedom and I do what I want. And for the most part, other than the IRS, the SEC, and a couple other governmental institutions... I pretty much do exactly what I want. Or should I say, I do as much as Mrs. Pugliano lets me get away with. Well, in any case, happy 7th anniversary birthday celebrations to the Wellsteading Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and I look forward to welcoming you back as we go into our 8th year of podcasting. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.